My name is Jay Malone, and I'm the Political and Communications Director at the Texas Gulf Coast Area Labor Federation in Houston and a new member of the Progress Texas Board. I like the work that Progress Texas does to communicate a different vision for Texas, uh, to recognize the problems with the way that our state is governed currently uh, and how we can do better uh, to make Texas a state that works for everyone. I'm excited to join the board to help expand on that work and ensure that we are able to reach people with that vision across the board. It's Thursday, January 25th, 2024, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier. Despite a ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court, the standoff between state troopers under the purview of Governor Greg Abbott's Operation Lone Star and federal Border Patrol agents continues at the border in Eagle Pass. CBS News reporter Omar Villafranca provides fresh video from Shelby Park, which you'll find linked in the show notes, showing coils of razor wire all around the park perimeter and draped along the Texas bank of the Rio Grande. Villafranca points out that federal officials are not actively or systematically clearing the razor wire, and to be specific, the opinion from the Supreme Court holds that they can if they deem it necessary to render aid to migrants in distress. Villafranca also notes an amicable, friendly tone amongst the hundreds of armed officers on the scene, even between those under opposing bosses. While that deadline issued by the Biden administration for full federal access to the park by Friday approaches tomorrow, let's hope things stay friendly or at least friendlier than the anti-federal rhetoric coming from throughout the Republican Party right now, largely calling for defiance and confrontation. Corey McCord at KHOU-TV in Houston writes that Governor Abbott issued a statement yesterday reiterating Texas's right to defend itself against what he calls an invasion at the U.S.-Mexico border, which he blames on President Joe Biden's border policies. Abbott says Texas's right to self-defense against largely defenseless and desperate migrants, quote, supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary, unquote, an assertion that no self-respecting constitutional scholar would likely agree with. Just a couple of months ago, would Kate Cox have imagined that she'd be invited to be a guest of the President of the United States at the State of the Union address? Our guess is no. And that illuminates the danger that all women in Texas who are considering having a baby are facing under current Texas law. Eleanor Klybanoff, women's health reporter at the Texas Tribune, says First Lady Jill Biden has invited Cox, the 31-year-old Dallas mom who sued to terminate her non-viable pregnancy and eventually had to flee the state to secure desperately needed abortion care to attend the State of the Union address as her guest in March. White House spokesperson Corrine Jean-Pierre said yesterday that the Bidens called Cox over last weekend to thank her for her courage in sharing her story and to invite her to the event. Jean-Pierre elaborating, quote, her story is incredibly powerful, devastating, and it speaks to the moment that we're in now when we talk about women having the right to make these deeply personal decisions about their health care that was taken away by the Supreme Court, unquote. Amanda Zarowski, as you know, another brave voice in the fight for abortion rights in Texas, spoke at a Biden campaign rally on Tuesday. The courage of Texas women looks to be a formidable force in national politics in this all-important election year. And here at Progress Texas, we are super proud. Another one from the Texas Tribune and Patrick's VTech on the fallout of scandalous associations with known neo-Nazis and Hitler stands by a prominent ultra-conservative political action committee. According to a campaign finance report posted yesterday, notorious West Texas oil billionaires and Christian nationalist crusaders Tim Dunn and Ferris Wilkes have poured two million more of their petroleum dollars into a new group they've named Texans United for a Conservative Majority. 
that has already begun spending against Texas House Republicans who dared support the impeachment of Attorney General Ken Paxton last year. This new project is a spinoff of Defend Texas Liberty, the PAC that came under fire back in October after Texas Tribune reporting revealed that its then-president, former Republican state rep Jonathan Sticklin, had hosted notorious white supremacist and Hitler admirer Nick Fuentes for nearly seven hours at his office in Fort Worth. Early beneficiaries of this new PAC include hard right-wingers David Covey, who's running against House Speaker Dade Phelan in Beaumont, and Andy Hopper taking on Representative Lynn Stuckey in Denton. Democrats should be doing all they can to take advantage of the bitter division in the opposing party in these districts. We got some encouraging news yesterday from Becky Bullard, communications manager for the Lone Star chapter of the Sierra Club and a frequent guest on this podcast feed. In a press release, we learned that the Sierra Club has been lobbying the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to delay a meeting which was scheduled for today at which the agency had planned to vote on a proposed land exchange involving Elon Musk's SpaceX company. Sierra Club Lone Star Chapter Conservation Director Cyrus Reed wrote that the rushed and non-inclusive process regarding a proposal to give 43 acres in Boca Chica State Park to SpaceX in exchange for 477 acres near the Laguna Atascosa National Wildlife Refuge had failed to provide the public with notice about the proposal. Bullard tells us that after a Texas Parks and Wildlife work session yesterday in which the vast majority of public comments they fielded were in opposition to the transfer, the agency has delayed this vote until their March meeting to give more time for discussion and public input. Nice work, Sierra Club. And this is a story to dig into for you Texas environmentalists and conservationists in the meanwhile. New developments in the case of a Texas high school junior locked in battle with his local school district over his traditional hairstyle, the exact situation that the recently enacted Crown Act was designed to defuse. From NBC News, a judge ordered yesterday that a trial be held next month to determine whether 18-year-old junior Daryl George can continue being punished by Barbers Hill High School in Mont Bellevue near Houston for refusing to change a hairstyle he and his family say is protected by that new state law. As we've told you, the district has doubled down over the length of George's hair, essentially destroying a Texas kid's education over a technicality. He's not been allowed to attend his regular classes at Barbers Hill High School since the end of last August. Instead, Daryl's been confined to in-school suspension or relegated to an off-site disciplinary program. State District Judge Chap Kane III has set a February 22nd trial in a lawsuit filed by the school district regarding whether its dress code restrictions limiting the length of boys' hair violates the Crown Act, which took effect in September. The new law prohibits race-based hair discrimination and bars employers and schools from penalizing people because of hair texture or hairstyles, including afros, braids, dreadlocks, twists, or bantu knots. Daryl's mom, Dorisha George, says she's disappointed that Judge Kane didn't consider granting a temporary restraining order, which would have halted her son's punishment and allowed him back to class until next month's trial. The effects of the elimination of diversity, equity, and inclusion offices at Texas public colleges are just beginning to manifest. Kelsey Sanchez at KVU-TV in Austin says at the University of Texas in Austin, students preparing to graduate in May have learned that cultural graduation ceremonies will no longer take place at UT. As the DEI ban forced the university's Multicultural Engagement Center, or MEC, to close its doors. The MEC was the center of six university-sponsored student groups, African American Affairs, the Asian Desi Pacific Islander American Collective, the Latino Leadership Council, 
the Native American and Indigenous Collective, Queer People of Color and Allies, and Students for Equity and Diversity. UT Associate Professor David DeMatthews encourages Texas college students not to take this line down, saying, quote, it's important for them to organize, to use their voice, to be active in politics, to not accept the status quo, unquote, and amen. Which takes us to little old Gainesville, Texas, north of Dallas, where an important fight over the right to stand up and protest is unfolding. Garrett Stringfellow at KXII Texoma says three Gainesville residents peacefully demonstrating for the removal of a Confederate statue at the Cook County Courthouse in 2020 were arrested simply for stepping off a sidewalk and into a street. They were charged with obstruction of a highway or other passageway and sentenced to a week in jail and thousands of dollars in fines. Those ridiculous convictions were upheld by the Seventh Court of Appeals in Amarillo last November. Attorney Savannah Kumar and the American Civil Liberties Union of Texas have filed a petition to ask Texas's Court of Criminal Appeals to review the case and ultimately reverse the previous conviction. Kumar says, quote, no Texan should be facing jail time for simply exercising that basic and fundamental right to protest, which has been at the bedrock of our democracy throughout America's history, unquote. This is a case with implications reaching far beyond the Gainesville city limits. We're big fans of the Texas Tribune here at Progress Texas, and we cite their terrific work here regularly. Lena Fisher at the Austin Chronicle writes that just under six months after the Trib weathered its first ever round of layoffs, staff announced yesterday that they are unionizing with the News Guild CWA and asked for voluntary recognition from management by January 31st. Well, a mere 15 minutes later, Texas Tribune CEO Sonal Shaw sent an email to staff writing, quote, our response is simple. If Tribune employees want to be represented by a union, we will respect their right to representation. We respect our colleagues' right to collectively bargain, unquote. Organizers at the Trib are looking to preserve benefits they currently enjoy in stark contrast to other newsrooms like the Austin American Statesman, where similar organizing is happening in reaction to untenable working conditions and tense relationships with management. At Progress Texas, we remind you that reliable news is often hidden behind a paywall while disinformation is always free. It's never been more important than it is right now to support independent media, especially in a place like Texas. Best of luck to our friends at the Texas Tribune. Again, two live events of interest are coming up this weekend for Texas progressives. First up in DFW, Progress Texas is co-hosting the upcoming U.S. Congressional District 24 and Texas Senate District 16 candidate forums. In collaboration with the Student Government Association of Dallas College, Richland Campus, Richardson Area Democrats, and other great regional clubs, join us on Saturday, January 27th at 2 p.m. at the Fannin Performance Hall to hear from incumbent State Senator Nathan Johnson and Challenger State Representative Victoria Niave Criado, followed by congressional candidates Francine Lee and Sam Epler, who are both looking to challenge incumbent Republican Beth Van Dyne. All this is underway at 2 p.m. Saturday. Make sure and stop by the Progress Texas Info booth and grab the merch to match your progressive values. And a correction from yesterday on the second event, which is not happening on Saturday, but rather on Sunday, January 28th. So far and as far as we know, the only live debate that Dallas U.S. Rep. and U.S. Senate hopeful Colin Allred has agreed to join with his Democratic primary competitors looking to take on Ted Cruz in November. This debate is happening in Austin on Sunday at 2 p.m. as part of the Texas AFL-CIO's COPE convention and will feature all red San Antonio State Senator Roland Gutierrez and State House Rep. Carl Sherman of DeSoto. Look for live streaming on multiple platforms and Progress Texas will be on site to record the event. We plan to publish that recording on this podcast feed by next Monday. See the link in the show notes for details. You have options in picking the most progressive candidate in all your contested primaries and Progress Texas is here to help. 
Whether you're a fan of Progress Texas for our great podcasts, our handy and popular digital voter guides, or our great-looking and easy-to-understand GoVoteTexas.org website that in English and Spanish helps Texans navigate registering and voting, or maybe all of the above and more, you can support our work during Amplify Austin and Early Giving is now underway. No matter where you live, you can donate and sign up to be a fundraising champion to help us shape positive messaging for the issues you care about. We're eligible for prizes, including most unique donors, so know that donations of any amount will help in a big way. And thanks in advance. That's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch for this Thursday, January 25th, 2024. Links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Progress Texas is a nonprofit rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. While campaigns come and go, we're the permanent home for progressive of media and action in the Lone Star State. Find our web store and other ways to support our ongoing mission at progresstexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning.